0: Amen. So we'll continue our series on the book of John, Lord willing, next week. But let's go to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Hearts of the Father for their children and the children's heart for their father is what I want to share with you here for a few moments. The hearts of the fathers returning to children. Everybody say hearts of fathers returning to children. And the children's hearts, come on everybody, and the children's hearts, Returning to the fathers. Thank you. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 and onward. We'll get into John next week, but what was brought up here was so powerful. There are no daddy issues in the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean that you have resolved all your daddy issues? No, but in the kingdom of God, they don't belong. So you now have to take responsibility to get over daddy issues. Can I hear an amen? You were not... The one responsible for having daddy issues. That was the fault of the father. But as a Christian, now you are responsible for containing those in your heart. Can I hear an amen? I want everyone to hear me on that. This goes for men and for women. You were not at fault for having a bad father, that was not your fault. You were a victim. To your father being there and not being a good one, or to your father not being present. Those would be the two major issues of daddy issues. That would be a father that's present, but he's not a godly father and he doesn't live like. I don't care if he says he's a Christian, he doesn't live like. Everybody listening? Amen. So that would be the first way. A father's there, but he doesn't act as a godly father, whether he claims Christ or not. He's not doing the right thing. The second one would be a father that is not there, a distant father. And because of that, now those issues ensue. In both of those situations, the child, the person here today who suffered those, and I'm not going to say raise hands, but I know that would be a lot of people here, okay? Maybe it's upwards of 50% would be my guess. So either you had a father that was present and was not good or a father that was absent, you would be, quote, unquote, under what is known as daddy issues, okay? Now, you did not choose to have those. Those were victimized upon you. You suffered those issues, okay? My mother did not choose to have the kind of father that she had. My uh, grandfather did not tell my mother he loved her until well into my mom's, I think, 50s or 60s, and it was only after just a little bit of, uh, like, conflict, and it, you know, like, uh, it, it, it took, like, work for him to do that, in other words, okay? And it wasn't a lot of bit of love. It was a little bit of love, and... At the end of his life, he almost denied my mother the only child an inheritance and almost gave it it to the nurse, okay? So just to show you how crazy things can be, you know? So I can relate to that. Now my mom's first husband was a teenage love affair. My mother got uh, pregnant at 15. I'm telling your testimony, Mom. Here we go. (laughs) She got pregnant at 15, okay? That man turned out to be verbally... And physically abusive. But she had three children with them, which eventually I was born to my father, and that, those became my stepchild, uh, my stepbrother and sisters, okay? That man was not a good man. Now, later on in life, my siblings would say that he was a good man and did certain things. That's between them and, them and him. But my mom would say he wasn't a good man, okay? So my mom had daddy issues, and my mom had a baby daddy that brought daddy issues to his kids. All of my siblings from that side deal with alcohol and drug addiction, and that's what he was, okay? Now, uh, he was more on alcohol, but they also went into drugs. Okay, so there's an example in my family. So I don't want anybody to feel ashamed about talking about daddy issues, okay? So there was uh, both of them in that situation were fathers that were present, but they were terrible fathers, okay? So my mom grew up with daddy issues, and my siblings grew up with daddy issues, Okay. Now, if I were to ask you here, just like uh, some of you, you could relate to that. Others would relate to Des and the situation that she just said. Dad wasn't present, wasn't there. And then when he comes around, he comes around with his troubles, and it's almost better that he's not there. Can I hear an amen? amen. Right? It's like absentee fathers are one problem, but then a, an abusive alcoholic father is a whole other set of problems. Now, those people, my mom... My siblings didn't choose those things. Those were done to them. They were victims. But once Christ comes into the picture or the gospel is presented, my mother now had a choice. Do I accept my adoption into the family of God and receive a new father and get over my daddy issues, not in a superficial, just get over it like superficial way, but in a deep healing kind of way. Can I hear an amen to that? Because I don't want anyone to misunderstand. When I say get over it, I'm not saying you're going to do this like quickly and easily because you just find strength in yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like as spiritual and as supernatural as we believe in someone being born again, going from sinner to saint, as I believe someone goes from having daddy issues to being healed. Are you all listening to me? Okay, I mean, I just want to be honest with that. Like, do you believe you were born again? Do you believe you had a sinful, wicked spirit that was changed? Well, then in that same way, can God heal a broken heart? Amen. I mean, can he do it? Can he keep his word? We're going to get into it today, but this is where it messes with people. Because in the world, what people want you to do when you start dealing with your problems is they want you to live in the past. They want you to go back into the past. They want you to go there to try to fix it. And the Bible says, I have to forget those things which are behind me. That's what the Bible says. So why do they bring you back to the past when the Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind me? Well, pastor, if it's unresolved, I didn't say we weren't going to resolve it. I just said, how do you resolve it going into the past? Does the past even exist? No. So right now, presently, you have to deal with it. Even in the psychological world, it is a contradiction. You are not going into the past to solve Jack Diddley. You don't have a time machine. So that idea, we're going to go into your past. No, we're not. Do you have a time machine? Are we literally going into the past? So why are they even using those words? They're inappropriate for even logical, rational thinking. Well, we're we're going to delve into your past. No, you're not. You have a time machine to go back into the past and dig something up. You don't. What you're always dealing with, this is just logically true, you're always dealing with the present, period. That's all you have. You don't have the past. You don't have the future. This is the present. That's, you know, it's a gift, and that's why it's called the present. Amen? It's a present to you from God. There you go. So now in the present, will we have to deal with the way we watch, think about the past? Absolutely. In the present, you will have to deal with the way you think about the past. Because you're in the present right now, and if you have daddy issues, you're probably thinking about them. And where are they? They're in the past. And for some, they may be continuing right now. They may And I always say this, we are advocates, and we are those who support those who are in tough situations. So if you are in an abusive situation right now, we got your back. Talk to us privately after service. Amen. No one has to stay in an abusive situation. We will help you. So we are your advocates. I just want to be very clear about that. But what do we do in the present about our past? We have to change the way we think. That's it. I mean, my friends, it comes down to that. I know we may want it to be more complicated. Well, what about restitution? What about going back to that person? What about writing letters and all of that? Those can be parts of the healing. But everything about you getting over the daddy issue, having a supernatural encounter with Jesus is going to be about how you think. That's it. Your feelings come from how you think. The way you think about things determines how you feel about things. If I just said to you right now, you got cancer, how are you going to start feeling? You're going to feel bad. If I say you're going to win the lottery, what are you going to do? You're going to, you just won the lottery. You're going to be happy. Because you, you think about those things. The words have a meaning to you, and then you have a thought about them, and then feelings attached to them. If someone told me I have cancer, the word cancer has a meaning to it, I, it tells me I have it, I will then have feelings that relate to that thought. If someone says I just won the lottery, I know what lottery is. I'm gonna now have feelings set. it's that simple. It's that simple. It's not complicated. See, I can't tell I can't talk to you like Dr. Phil, yo. I'm not Dr. Phil. <laughs> I can only talk to you as a pastor. I can tell you what healed people before they did lobotomies. I can tell you what healed people before they gave you medical marijuana. Okay? I can tell you what healed people through the roughest times of life, through the Holocaust. I can tell you what healed minds during that time. I could tell you what healed people during the persecutions of the Christians. I could tell you what got us through the dark ages, from the bubonic plague. Y'all listening to me? I can tell you what got African Americans through slavery. I can tell you what got people through everything we've been through up until this point. I'm not saying we haven't learned a little thing or two since then. I'm just saying I can give you the bedrock right now of how people made it. Do you want to hear how they made it? They put their mind on Christ. They put their mind on their healer. They came to Jesus. They didn't understand how everything was. I mean, imagine that. I mean, just pick any tragedy. I'm, I, I'll just pick the, the slave uh, trade going on here in, in America at one time. Imagine you being born into that. You didn't choose that. You're watching your family get beat and, and, and ridiculed and mocked and all of this. But yet somehow... Somehow you're able to get a Bible. Somehow you're able to hear the scriptures being sung. At that point, you would have a choice to what you would believe. Am I going to believe what this wicked slave master is telling me? Or am I going to believe what Auntie is singing over here? Swing low, sweet chariot. You know, I believe then there's a hope. You know what I'm saying? Are you going to believe? You would have a choice. You would have a choice. Do I believe that I'm who who they say I am? Or do I believe what my family's singing about as they're getting the scriptures? And don't let anybody tell you that the Bible was in favor of it. No, every time they gave them the Bible, they got thoughts of freedom. That's why they looked to the exodus and saw themselves in the story of Moses. That's why they nicknamed themselves by these scriptural terms and saw being delivered out of slavery as a great exodus to the point where the slave owners had to make a slave Bible. They wanted them Christian but only submissive Christians to their slavery, and they would take out the stories of freedom. That's true. That's true. So don't let anybody say, well, that Bible was used to do X, Y, and Z. A corrupt Bible. A half-truth Bible, yeah, any book can be used that way. You try to put a cat in a hat before? You use cat in a hat wrong. You're going to mess with somebody. You try to put a cat in a hat? I'm just asking you. Cats don't want to go in a hat. (laughs) You try to stuff a cat in a hat and see what happens. You can use that the wrong way. So the Bible's been used the wrong way. I mean, any suffrage you go through in life, you're going to have a choice. Well, the Scriptures give us an answer. I think about the dear Christians of the first century. Just imagine yourself in that situation. You're a Christ follower. You believe in Jesus. You're not wanting to cause any trouble. And yet they want you to acknowledge a man as Lord. Caesar is Lord. And yet your pastors, your leaders, are telling you Jesus is the only Lord. How do you get through that? How do you get through You have to change your heart. You have to let your heart be not troubled. And put your mind on Jesus. And so now going back to this situation here of daddy troubles. And a generation now where more grow up without a father than do grow up with a father. This is a real traumatic situation. And everybody that's going through this wants an answer. They don't want the pain because they didn't choose to be a victim. But here's the word and I want some of you to write it down. You can either be a victor. Or you can be a victim. You didn't choose to become a victim, but you can choose to become a victor. Amen? You can write this down. I can't be both. I will either be a victor or I will be a victim. That's it. Look at what the scripture says at the end of uh, Malachi. This is uh, Malachi chapter 4. It says, surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoer will be uh, stubble. And that on that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or branch will be left to them. Before who receive, but excuse me. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing. Somebody say healing, amen. 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 Healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic. Look how the Bible talks about us. You will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. <laughs> Man, what is that like? I don't even know, but that's got to be a sight to seek. A calf jumping around because it was fed. Okay, you're a happy calf. Then you will trample on the wicked. Look at what you're going to do when you're happy. You're going to trample on them. Boy, that should make the wicked scared, amen? Amen. These boots were made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. And one of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. That's what's going to happen to sinners. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. They don't like our Bible because it says stuff like this, but hey, you can be the one being trampled on or do the trampling. If everybody in the human race did the right thing, we would just be trampling on the devil. Amen? Amen. But if they want to side with the devil, you're going to get happy, you're going to get free, you're going to be healed, and all of a sudden you're going to be trampling on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. So we're not here yet. We're not to make this happen. Some people are talking about Christian nationalism, about it. as much as I believe in Christian nationalism, is I'm a Christian and I live in this nation, okay? But if you're talking about putting the Bible as the Constitution and, and merging church with state, I say, no, we ain't doing that. And I, and I always say this to my Reformed friends because they always push this. I go, last time y'all were in charge, you were burning people, including people like me. <laughs> they burned Christians as well as witches at the Salem witch trials. Look it up. They burned a pastor who disagreed with them. Well, I don't know if we should be doing that. Let's tie him up too. <laughs> The moment you merge the church with the state, it's like, what church are we talking about? <laughs> Whose church is in charge? Because there's a lot of us out here, we all don't agree. Right? You get what I'm saying? Church of England is in charge. Well, I don't always agree with the king and queen. Well, off with the head then. I'm telling you, it's like that. So, I mean, I believe in being a Christian and a nation and believing God for great things. But I'm just being honest. I don't trust my people to run things because I look at the church and it's a mess right now. I trust Christians to be accountable to other Christians and to do things a certain way. But if you're going to put your religious doctrine over a nation, that's asking for trouble. And so God said he would do it. In Israel, he gave them many more laws and specifications to how they were to run a nation and what a king was supposed to be. We do not have those kinds of laws or that jurisdiction in our Bible, and so I do not believe it is meant to be. Now, I believe those are good ideas, and like the founding fathers, we can borrow from those ideas. It's called the general equity platform, which means I don't throw out the Old Testament. I mean, there are general good things in there, in general. Somebody say in general. But if we go specific, we got to start checking people on, women on their wedding days. Are you all listening to me? Okay, I'm not checking the bedsheet of a woman on a wedding day. Do you want to do that high priest? <laughs> I'm not doing that. So, you know, either like how the Bible says, you either take all of it or none of it. That's how the Bible said And if you take all of it, you're going to find yourself damned real quick. You're going to find yourself in a whole lot of trouble with it because it was an incomplete law that could not save, but it could surely show you when you did things wrong. And so the new covenant is a better covenant. And Lord, we'll get into that uh, today into Hebrews. And so when we talk about what God is going to do, God is going to set the nations in order. He's going to bless us. He's going to heal us once and for all from all the pain that we've gone through. He's going to wipe away every tear, and then he's going to set us free. And while we're free and stomping around, we're going to stomp on people. That's what it says. And so I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I can just imagine what it looks like because the Bible says that the rapture happens before this judgment. So what what I think happens is we're riding on white horses coming down with Christ, and we we're right behind him, so we're trampling on him as he's trampling on him. Amen? And that's what I believe. How many I going to ride on your horse with Jesus? woo Let's go. And there used to be songs about that, you know? Uh, we used to sing that in Brownsville Revival, riding on a horse with Jesus, coming back. And this is the, the image that we're supposed to have because not only as uh, maybe brother just put that up for me, the image of riding on the white horse with Jesus, what a lot of times is not being shown there is us trampling on the enemy, What it looks like from the one side is us all glowing and having a great time riding on our horse. You ready to ride on a horse, Calvin? Ready to get it on? Come on, urban cowboy. You ready, Will? You've been practicing, huh? You uh, you ride horses? Amen. Come on. I was hanging out with Mike. He's going to be at the second service. His daughter was riding horses. Okay, but listen, we're going to be trampling on people. So what needs to happen as they put up this picture, just find any one of them. Normally, they have everybody glowing coming out of heaven. What they don't show is us trampling on everybody. What does this mean? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Because when we get to this next part about how it's going to look and what it's going to be like, The idea of what happens to the people who do the things wrong, they're going to be taken care of. So fathers who do not do things right are going to be trampled on that day. That's just the fact. Mothers who didn't do things right are going to be trampled on that day. We should not be afraid of the judgment of God coming because what has caused us pain, what has made us hurt, is going to be trampled on. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We are not going to live with evil forever. So how many have seen a picture like this before? Amen. Here he comes. Here comes Jesus. But what needs to be right down here? What needs to be down here? Some sinners, some people. Because we're going to trample on them. So don't be trampled on by Jesus when he returns. Amen. Now let's keep going. Thank you for that picture, brothers. It says you're going to trample under them. they are going to be ashes under your, the soles of your feet the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Now look at verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses. The decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. This is the old covenant, and they needed to be faithful to it for the next 400 plus years until Christ came and gave us the new covenant. But now look at verse 5. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great dreadful day of the Lord. Before that great and dreadful, dreadful day comes, Elijah is going to come. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children in the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Now please put that in the King James so you can see how parents there in the NIV make it an inclusive of moms and dads, and the King James says it specifically to the fathers. And that doesn't mean parents aren't responsible, plural mothers and fathers, but this is the actual Hebrew right here as it's translated into King James talking about what Elijah will do coming before this great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the heart of the who? The, the who? What's the first? Starts with an F, ends with the S. Start, turn the heart of the fathers. Everybody say fathers. Thank you. Turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their what? To their fathers. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, according to the New Testament teachings, as we go into, say, the book of Mark, who is the one that is the coming Elijah or fulfills that prophecy? Who is that one? Who? Some of y'all being shy, but I hear right answers. Don't be shy. Who is it? John the Baptist. Thank you. Go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, please. John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written, the prophet Isaiah, I will send my messenger ahead of you. This is that one coming like Elijah, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling into wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so who came? John the Baptist, thank you, appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of what? repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now going back to Malachi, I wonder what happened here. Because the Bible says that before this great day of judgment comes, and it's called a dreadful day, that this Elijah figure would come and he would call the fathers to go back to their children and the children back to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Do you think in the time of John the Baptist, fathers went back to their children and children back to their fathers in the way the Bible spoke about? No. The land was cursed and the temple was destroyed, was it not? That temple of 70 AD was destroyed because the relational aspect of the Jews, father to children, were not brought together. Now specifically, what do I think it was meant there in that day is that The fathers were not leading their children to the Messiah. The majority of the older Jewish people were rejecting Jesus. And because they were rejecting Jesus, they were not in unity with their children who would run to be with Jesus. Did not children run to be with him? Yeah, children wanted to be around Jesus. And there were some parents who brought their children around for that, but the majority did not do that. So the parents did not lead their children to the Messiah. So there was not an acceptance of who Jesus was. Now let me ask you a question. If this is the principle of Jesus' first coming... And we know that it was dealt with according to this. What do you think it's going to be like in his second coming? What was just described beforehand. Looking at Malachi, please. When judgment comes upon this earth, Malachi says that God will bring about a curse on the land if fathers and children are not in unity. Think about that. And what is happening in our land right now? Is there not a curse on our land? If that's the principle, and that's what it was like for the Jewish people when they rejected the things of God as parents, and the children and the fathers were not in unity, what do you think is going on in our culture right now? The curse is on the land. The curse is on the land. I was talking to an African-American bus driver as I was there on the west side yesterday. She was afraid to even walk down the street. She was a bus driver, and she was afraid. And she said, this neighborhood, Madison Pulaski, was not always like this. She says, now I am afraid all of the time. And I said, if you want, you can go right down here and have some chili with us, and you can be safe, and we'll keep, keep watch over you. Now think about that. Representing what we would consider like the parents, the parents are now afraid of the children. As the old timers used to say, when Men used to walk down the street, children would be afraid. There's fathers walking down here. There's men walking down here. But now, when the men see the children, they're afraid. Think about who runs most of our neighborhoods, especially in the inner city. Is it really father figures in their 30s and 40s and 50s? Or is it those in their 20s and younger, young men and children running the streets? And then when you look outside of our inner cities, you go into our, uh, our economies and you go into our businesses, generally right now, what are we seeing for the first time? Some of the richest people of the world being in their 20s and 30s. We've never seen this kind of wealth that Google amassed, that Apple amassed, that Facebook amassed, TikTok founders or or Instagram founders. These technological kids, young people became billionaires and now they're controlling the world in a lot of ways through money. Can I hear an amen? Think about Bill Gates as a young man, how he controls the world now. Bill Gates owns more farmland than any person on this planet right now. Think about that. And he started off as a young man, and now he controls what men never had. He started off as a child. Look at at what Mark Zuckerberg did. All of us men, gray hair, all of this, have to submit to what this dude says, otherwise we don't have a voice. Somebody hacked my account and I tried to start a new account. They wouldn't let me do it because they recognized my name. And I wasn't going to lie about my name. So I, Joe Rostic is not allowed to start an account on Facebook as a personal thing. That's why the leaders had to start a page for me. I, I have to be submitted to that man. Same thing with YouTube. Children now. Young people, what, the elders of old, the ancient folks back then, the ones that used to run villages and, and, and used to be in charge of government, look, look at how now they're being controlled. Look at how I'm being controlled by the youth, the young people. You all listening to me? And they have no respect for their fathers What is the common thread that most rebellious musicians, most rebellious entertainers say when they tell you their story? I was raised this way. That's how they always start, isn't it? I was raised like this, but now I live like this. I just saw a man the other day interview a rapper, and he caught him off guard because the rapper didn't know that this preacher would know about him. He was a famous rapper walking with his entourage, and I wish I had it here. Maybe you could find it for me. I believe it's Christ Forgiveness Ministries, the guy with the dreadlocks. What is his name? Yes, please help them find he runs into a rapper. It's that man. He Thank you. He runs into a rapper, and he says to him, your dad's a preacher. Think about that. Are you a Christian like your father? That would set up perfectly for what I have to say next. If you all could find them, please, uh, Juan, go back there and take your time with them. Thank you. I would love to have that video. Holy Ghost, help them. And the look that that young man had on his face was like a deer in headlights, because what was instantly brought before him was a heritage that his father had given him. And that preacher, you got it? Yes. Who is the preacher that was there? Is it the one I'm speaking about? You guys figure it out. Lauren, help them, please. Let's see how many people we can get working on that. Thank you. Let's see if we can get at least 10 back there. They're going to figure it out. We're going to get it. Most of us, think about it, say we want a godly father in our life. People talking about daddy issues. I'm going somewhere. Come on, everybody listen to me. But when they get a godly father, you know what they do? They complain. As a pastor, I have been pastoring fatherless people since day one. And brother Daryl, you want to know the biggest complaint they have against me? Is that I yell too much. I'm too strict. I'm too mean. But they never had a godly daddy. They never had a godly father. You can go back there and help them. You'll be number eight in the booth, brother. If it's not the one I'm thinking of, just, did they find it? Okay, wonderful. Let's give it up for everyone that was a part of that assignment. Go ahead and put that up there for us, please, when you're, when you're ready. Yeah, it took Lauren. That's right. It took Lauren to find it. Amen. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Yes. Yes, please, David Lin. This is the exact go one. Go see the person that I watch his highlights every day, bro. Cristiano freaking Ronaldo, bro. No evolutionist can tell us why there are still monkeys today if we evolved from monkeys. Why are there still monkeys today? I'm a monkey. I'm a monkey. no. no, you're not. You just called me a monkey. Charles Darwin says you're a monkey. What? Charles I'm a monkey. Charles Darwin calls you a monkey. I Are you they, serious right now? <laughs> that's oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> television. Television. Just pause I this ask for you, a second. Ask you something, man. Ask pause this, please. You can just tell this is a mess. Isn't this just, this just typical of street preaching? You're out preaching, saying things. Somebody takes it the wrong way purposely to try to make you look stupid. This is exactly what they did to us during the BLM thing. Jose was very clear. Black Lives Matters is more responsible for black deaths by supporting abortion than the KKK and they tried to make that out to be we hate black people if I want more black babies to be born how do I hate them the one wanting them killed must hate them how (laughs) how y'all twisted I'm the racist because I want more black babies the one who kills and wants more black babies dead they're not the racist they're fighting for justice so that must mean Hitler loved him some Jews then because he killed them right come on that's crazy thinking so they must be preaching against evolution. And they're saying, man, Charles Darwin looked at people that were of different colors and said, Man, y'all just closer to the animal kingdom. So that's what his point is. And obviously David here who's going to start preaching, he's African-American. The guy on the mic wasn't, but he's not a racist. These are not racist people. They're simply saying this is what evolution says. And I've talked about that before, by the way. When you look at the pictures of the Smithsonian Institute of, of the story of evolution, not to be uh, racist myself and people take me out of context, but how many know if we said point to those in the, in the church that look closest to the missing links, how many know it's, they're not going to be pointing to me? They point to the dark-skinned person. And that's why they had human zoos. They would go get the aborigines. Now they try to say, oh, well, well that's not what we mean. That's what, what, not what we mean. Well, hold on. How is anybody else supposed to take that? You say that we all came from monkeys, and then you look at the darker-skinned people, and they go, uh, uh, the, the, the children goes, well, they look closer. They have the attributes, the bigger nostrils, the bigger nose. And they go, oh, that's not what we mean. No, see, the devil is a liar. He wants to say it out of two sides of his mouth. First of all, light skin. Is not further from evolution. Darker skin is not closer to evolution. All that has to do with is where you were situated at the time after Noah's flood. That's it. If you were closer to the places that were hot, your skin was going to develop a resistance to the heat. That's it. You weren't going to find people like me living in sub Saharan Africa. Okay, But how many know if people like me stayed in sub-Saharan Africa for a while, after two or three generations, they're going to look less like me and more like someone who has darker skin. Can I hear an amen? But see, that's what the people don't want to hear about evolution. Let me just say something else about this. In that discussion of evolution... One of the men that discovered the DNA code was, had all of his prizes taken from him because he, he said exactly what the data, according to evolution, is supposed to say. That means there's got to be humans that are less evolved than other humans. If we're all tracking from the goo through the zoo to you, we should be able to point to other humans. And guess who he pointed to that? He said, we're less. We're African Americans. And he started doing studies on them. He started doing study, and then they said, oh, we got to stop all of this because he was taking it to its logical end. You see, the Christian, I just want to be very clear with this, the Christian explains without racism at all why there are different skin tones, different eye shapes, and different shapes of our faces, but we're all from run race. Amen? The Bible clearly describes that any other way, and I don't care who you are, any other way, when you go through evolution, you're going, to re- you're going to end up with a superior race. The moment you break down people into races, you're going to have a superior one. How many know we do that with dogs? How many know there are superior dogs? Okay, I mean, let's just be honest. Do you want a Chihuahua or do you want a Rottweiler to keep you safe tonight? They're superior dogs, right? And that's, that's the idea of what racism is because there's different races. Even though, what does the Bible say about dogs? There's one kind of dog, and they all split off from that kind of dog, right? So I just want you to hear where they're, why they're preaching that. They didn't need me to defend them. I just want you to understand why we as preachers bring that up, and people want to make us out to be racist. We're not the race. I'm not the one drawing. Listen, I'm not the one drawing pictures of ape men in the Smithsonian Institute. I'm not the one doing that, okay? I'm not the one trying to say we all came from an animal, and now there's closer to us of animals. and less. That's what Margaret Sanger did. That's what the founder of the Planned Parenthood did, not us. And Hitler, that's what he said. And by the way, if you don't know this about World War II, you can look this up. Why did Japan Japan get involved and not the Chinese folks? Like, why was Japan all up in it? And Japan wanted to take over China, if you didn't know. They were about ready to take over China. Why did Japan, of all people, get involved? Because Japan believed they were superior race. Study what they believed about themselves. Because now, you know, let's say you get past the darker skin. Now you got the light skin. Now you got an argument among all the light skin. Which one's the better one? Is it, is it the Asian light skin? Is it the European light skin? Is it a certain branch of the European, the Aryan? Everybody was fighting for it, but the J- Japanese, they believed they were a superior race. That's why they didn't have compassion for their enemies, just like the, the Nazis and the Hitlers. And by the way, let me just say this as well, just feeling the Lord help me speak on this. That's why when Hotel Rwanda happened and those two people groups fought against each other, they were fighting against minor differences, which you and I would not even be able to distinguish between them. Probably if you saw the Hootsies and the Tootsies, I believe, were their names, you wouldn't even be able to distinguish. But they knew the differences, and they were killing all that. Why? Because that's always been a part of the devil's lie against the human race. Amen? Racism is born in the heart of the devil. It's not natural to humanity. When you have children together, they're not racist. When you have children, do you ever see children together being racist? No. They may be inquisitive. They may be inquisitive about each other and what the difference is. Hey, can I touch your hair? Can I touch? Oh, you look different than me. But they'll never do it from a racist heart. They always do, I just want to learn about you. I want to be like you. And they want to learn how to get along because children understand this that when the eye, listen to me, right here. When the eye matches the other eye, they see into the soul. Children see into your soul. I don't mean to scare you, think I'm being weird now. But how many know children have a way of looking right into your heart? I'm not talking about children being crazy and being boogie nose and all of that. I'm talking about children at around a certain age, around four, five, six years old. How many know that when they look at you, they can look right into you and see who you really are? Now, I'm not saying you can't deceive a child at that age and do something stupid, but I'm saying like right now, like my little Joyzie, when she looks at me, she sees who I really am. A child has a way of looking past all of the facades that we put over ourselves. That's just something to think about. And they'll tell you what's really on their mind and not think anything bad about it. I, uh, I, in my house, I always ask people to get things for me. I know that's a surprise to hear, but I'm the kind of father that asks children to do things, you know. Well, the other day, Titus just said, Daddy, why don't you get those things yourself? <laughs> do you yeah why don't you get it yourself I get things myself you're big and strong I'm like his daddy likes it when other people help him I like being helped out of the mouth of babes amen somebody's going to use that against me even your children even your children say this about you all right now, David get on the mic. Let me just use this as another, let me use this as another illustration from this preaching. Never feel bad when you're preaching and someone comes to help you from the mic. There are leaders when we preach. David's now going to get on the mic. This is his ministry. He has the right to do that. Sometimes people get offended when we do that. No, no, no. We're helping you. Right now, we're gonna go as a leader to the heart of the area. This isn't this does not mean the other man could not handle himself. Everybody say amen to that, please. This just means there's a leader out there, and the leader gets to make the call. So whenever you're out with us and a leader feels like grabbing the mic, we don't do that because we don't trust you. The leader may just want to interact now with a certain word. And so that's what David's going to do. He's in charge. He's going to take the mic from his brother kindly, and now he's going to identify. And watch how this dude gets thrown off by the next thing that happens here. He wants to argue about something stupid, right? But now hear what David says, please. Because I watch your videos, man. I actually made a, I made a review of one of your videos. All right, what is it? So, um, I forgot what it's called, but you made a video. I, wa- I want to know, man, are you gay? <laughs> you gay bro? Only for Ronaldo. Oh! <laughs> all right, pause all right. it right come, here, come, pause come. it right here. I guess I'm going to do this. I'm going to be interacting with this. Notice how this young man got popular for being a gay rapper. You all remember him? Any young people here? Nobody knows about him. He, uh, he rapped a very dirty song. I got It was brought on my attention because of actually David Lynn that this man was basically singing about doing sex acts to other men. Yeah, being nasty and dirty, okay? Now, let me just say this right here. You notice how when he asked him if he's gay and the man said, well, I'm only gay for Ronaldo, I'm assuming that's the soccer player, okay? And all of his friends think that was an answer. That's the stupidity that we're in right now in this generation. See, because that man is not under what we're going to learn, he's not under his father's authority, He's living by the authority of fools. See, men specifically, let me just talk about this for a second. Men who do not submit to godly men will submit to ungodly men. And women, everybody listen to me, women, women who do not submit to godly men will submit to ungodly men. You will have a, everybody's gonna be impacted by a man in their life. You are either going to pick the right man to be impacted by and to be under or to be with, alongside of, and to listen and learn from, or you're going to pick the wrong man. And so this dude has got men around him. Many of these are probably 18 and older, old enough to you know, join the military. They're, they're men in that way, but he's got the wrong men. But yet he has a man that's willing to look out for him, as we're going to hear, his father, but he's not under that man. So now what does it take? It takes a man to correct another man. Let's keep going. Come. Listen, hold that, hold that, hold that. Hold that, hold that for a second. Hold, hold, that. I want to ask you something, what, 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 what? man. Listen, man. I know your father is a Christian. Okay? Ooh, pause are right a- there. Pause right there. That to me, I feel like that man was taken back by that. Because right there, now watch, the question's going to come to him in just a moment, are you a Christian? But watch right here. He's not going to say something stupid right now. Because now he knows that this man he's talking to has the same belief of his daddy. And the reason why he's out here with these men, these men, I don't know if the, this guy here isn't, you know, like they're all friends. I don't know who these people are, but this is part of that hyena crowd. We call that the hype crowd, but it's a hyena crowd. That's the hyena crowd. You get what I'm saying? They're hyenas. What he's talking to right now is a lion. He's talking to a lion, but he's with hyenas. Amen? All right. Christian. Am I a Christian? Okay. See, that's a very, you know, great question, you know what I'm saying? But let me ask you this, No, 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 no. Answer the question first. It's a great question. Because a Christian is someone that's repented of their sins. That doesn't support sexual immorality. That's not walking for fame, but living for Jesus. Someone who's denying himself. That's conviction. Yeah, pause. I'm sorry. That's conviction. That's conviction for that young man. Let's hear his answer, then go back into our message. Follow me. I'm not against you trying to make money okay, or right, making good right, music. Okay. But if you're a Christian, yes, you need to it, repent that. of your sins. Otherwise, just like any person here, not just you,
1: you'll hey, okay, you okay, find uh, uh, yourself
0: in hell. All right, okay. Other way. So are you a Christian? Hey, let me talk. Right. Are you a Christian? <laughs> okay. First of all, I came here to see Ronaldo. I'm in Manchester right now. You're asking me questions about yeah. God, Okay. You know, I love God, you know, but hey, hey, person. hey, hey. I want to know. Hey, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, let me tell you this. Stop talking to me, sir. Have a nice day. <laughs> I, wow. thought, I thought there so. There you go. Conviction. No more hype. No more of that stupid swearing and all of that or talking about having sex with a man. He understood at that point something hit him, and that was the Holy Ghost. Amen? Now, going back to our message here, please, in closing, I want everyone to hear this. I have dealt with people who need a godly father, but they don't want a godly father. They need a godly father, but do not want a godly father. Let me give two lessons quickly in closing about the healing and then about receiving godly men in your life. Go to Luke chapter 4, please. First, let's get to the healing. How many want to be healed from daddy issues? Amen. Everyone here can be healed from daddy issues. It is your choice to either be a victim or a victor. This is what Jesus said. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and onward. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Everybody see that? And then he goes on down and he says to proclaim freedom from the pri- freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set, uh, uh, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There is good news for the poor, there is freedom for the prisoner, and there is freedom for those who are oppressed. That's the passage Jesus quoted from. But look at the Bible in Isaiah chapter 61. In Isaiah chapter 61, it adds one key component here, and we don't know whether or not it was summarized here by Luke Or if Jesus summarized it himself, but I know that he would stand by this, right after the good news to the poor, it says in Isaiah, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Show me anywhere in this Bible where a hurt can't be healed by Jesus. Show me anywhere in this Bible where a hurt cannot be healed by Jesus. Get the language right there. Binding up the brokenhearted. Haven't you felt if you've had daddy issues that your heart was broken in a million pieces? Can you put it all together by yourself? No, you can't. But Jesus can. Now, what does that look like moving forward? There are principles to this healing that apply to every other area of our life. Number one, you set your heart on Jesus. So you no longer in the present give your heart to the pain of the past. So that means when those present day thoughts come back up, you say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going back to brokenness. I'm staying in wholeness. So what do you do with thoughts that you don't want? You bring them to the feet of Jesus. The Bible says you cast them down. You let them go. You don't hold on to them. So anything that says about you, you're not worthy. You cast that down and say, I am so worth it that Jesus died on the cross for me. If you hear a lie that says, I'm unlovable, you know, you say, God so loved me that he sent his son for me. If you hear a lie that says, I'll never be emotionally the same again. No, you hear the scripture. I'll be better than I was before. I'll be healed. I'll be restored. The latter years will be greater than the former years. Hallelujah. All those here who have daddy issues, listen to me. Your heart will be healed moving forward in a greater way than it was in the past. How do I experience that, Pastor? By just doing what I said. What if it doesn't come easy to me, Pastor? Then you fight the good fight of faith. I've talked to some, like Tina Clappin over here, that she's walked through it and she could testify. Others have been saved as long as Tina, but they're not on that shouting side yet. I can't explain the difference for you. I don't know what it is. I can't, I can't get into every moment of your life, but I always will point you back to the word that if you do what Tina did, you'll have what Tina has. And it's, it's not even the level. Oh, well, maybe Tina didn't go through as much as I did. No, I've seen people go through it the worst, like actual physical abuse to the point of death. Some, you know, um, my Bible college president had his father kill himself right in, in the house while he was there. Like, I've had people go through it bad. And yet they'll get healed, but others may not even have it, a quote, unquote, as bad. Maybe they'll just have a father that wasn't affirming. Maybe he always put them down. I think that's, uh, you know, not as bad as have your father killing himself in your house, you know. Uh, that, that, that's just my way of looking at it, but I don't, I'm not here to judge. But you get my point. Here you had someone that grew up with a father like, you know, that didn't, like my mom that didn't say nice things, and they'll still be dealing with it. And here's a man who had his dad, you know, take his life and not care about the family. And before all of that, all the mess that came that led up to that, all of the abuse, you know, and then it ends like that, no closure, right? But yet they'll still be having the pain. So it's not a matter of the pain level that, that dictates your victory. It's your faith level. And I know we don't want to hear that because we always want to put it back on somebody else. But that's not how a Christian thinks. You don't think as a victim. You think as a victor. When you hear me say to you, it's a matter of faith, don't hear that as a condemnation. Oh, was he saying, I don't have enough faith, I'm not a real Christian. No, hear it as a challenge to go to your word and hear the scriptures and to meditate on them. And then the next thing, that's for the healing. Now it's moving forward with godly fathers. Can I hear an amen for godly fathers? Godly men. In Hebrews chapter 12, which we will eventually get to, Lord willing, we'll get to what godly fathers are like. When you hear about a godly father, you will generally hear this word brought up more than any other word, and it's discipline. I know that I wish it was, you know, we wish it was love. I know that my children know that I love them. (laughs) But the distinctive attribute of a godly father is discipline. I, I know some of us don't want to hear that. We just, don't. But God put the Father in the house for this reason. God put fathers in churches for this reason. Can I hear an amen? And I know some of you say, well, I just wish I could always feel the love of God or a godly man or a godly elder or pastor. I just want them to hug me all the time. Listen to me. That's not what you need. Why? Because most of you, I'm going to be very honest with you, who struggle with daddy issues, you already grasp Love. In the sense of you know that someone can love you. What you haven't grasped is how someone can love you and discipline you. I'm telling you, I talk to people with daddy issues all the time, and they'll say, what I just need right now is love. Don't tell me to read my Bible. Don't tell me to go to life group. Don't tell me, don't put discipline in my life. Just keep telling me how much you love me, Pastor. And I'm like, you already know I love you. You already know the leaders in the church love you, but you're so sensitive to the discipline that you see it as hurt and pain every time they touch you or get around you. It's because you're so sensitive to it. Imagine if I was out today and my white skin got burned, and it happens all the time when I go out in the sun, okay? So I had to get a base layer. So imagine this white boy turns into like a, uh, like a Red Hot. You ever seen those candies like a Red Hot? Sometimes my skin gets that red. I'm serious. And, and you come up to me out of love to hug me and pat on my back. What am I going to do the moment you do that? Ah, get away from me. You're hurting me. But is it because of what your intention was? Is it because of what you were actually doing? No, it was because of my sensitivities. And what happens so often in the church and in the relationships is that people don't understand a godly man is going to bring out discipline. Look at it. It's not just my word. It's the word of the Lord. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. He's encouraging them. He's showing them how much they can have faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And then in verse 4, it says, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. That was like Jesus, you know? And he says, and you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement. It's a word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son it says my son this is out of proverbs do not make light of the lord's discipline and notice this and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens every one he accepts as his son Well, what about if my dad was abusive and you remind me of him? Stop living in the past. I'm not him. I've heard that in godly relationships. Well, this godly husband who puts order in my family reminds me of my father who was ungodly but yelled all the time and did all... No, that's you in the past. Do not project on your godly husband now the abuse you suffered then. He can't change. Listen to me, especially for single ladies here. That man can't change because of your past abuse. You need that man to be what changes you. You need that strength again of the lion to make you feel safe. And I'm not saying you just give that away to anybody, but I'm saying over time you can trust them. My wife had to learn to trust me in my discipline in the home. Because as any woman would be, she wanted to go a little bit softer on the children. Now, I didn't want to abuse the children, but I wanted to be a little bit stronger with the children. And so she had to learn to trust me. And now, who does she come running to when the children are not respecting her? She comes running to me. You won't do that with your dad. And then I tell her, you want to know why they won't do that with your dad? It's because of what I do when dad comes around. If you want what I have from them in respect, do what I do. Shut it down. When I come in, oftentimes my, my wife is yelling, they're upset, they're going back and forth. I just shut it down. You, go run a mile. You, start cleaning the house. That right there settles it down real quick. I'll talk to you when you get done cleaning the house and you get done running a mile. Now I'll talk to my wife. What is the situation? Oh, well, this one was just in the room. Okay, well, they still getting a mile anyway. <laughs> you just happen to be in the room. You're getting exercise. That's a, that's, I call that the homeschool gym. I don't even bring, listen, I don't even bring the judgment yet. I just say, I'm, I'm part, everybody's parting ways here now, and this is how you're parting ways. Then we'll figure it out. But see, that's a dad. That's a man. Listen to me, that's not RuPaul. That's not an effeminate man. That's a godly man. Now, every godly man won't be the same. I talked to my son, Lucas, and I asked him how it was spending the night at Berto's house. And I said, is not anything like our house? And he said, oh, yeah, but Berto's funny. He does X, Y, and Z. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not as fun as Berto. That's okay. Berto be Berto, I'll be me. Right? I, I, see, to me, I don't need as a man to be jealous of other men. But as godly leaders, we got to help and set order in the house. And so how are daddy issues fixed? Well, first of all, you're healed. You're healed. And then you practice the same transformation of mind that everybody practices for everything else in their life. There are simple principles for transformation of mind. The moment that thought comes in, you take it captive, you bring it to the word of God, and then you speak the word of God over it. Oh, man, lust after that woman. No, I cast that down. That's a temptation. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I am who God said I am. I am pure. I am holy. I am married to a beautiful woman. I will be satisfied. That's how I fight lust. That's how you fight the daddy issue. Nobody will love me. I need to always be a self-made woman. I need to be like Beyonce. Nobody's going to take care of me, whatever. No, just throw that down. Say, I can have money. I can have education, but I still can have a godly man. Amen? And then the same thing here with children, young people. You may be going through the worst kind of abuse. You may feel like, well, nobody loves me. They don't care about me. How could God be real if I go through all that? And you could simply say the devil is a liar. There's evil here because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God came that I may have more life and life to the full. If I can take it, I can make it through this. God will make me strong. I'll be one of the testimonies. Amen? And then after that healing, we get around the antidote. That which is the cure to bad fathers is good fathers. We heard a testimony in our love. waits. Uh, if, if we could have Daryl on the uh, keyboard, please. I didn't even know this from Karina, but Karina, the youth pastor's wife, she, I can testify about it now because she spoke about it, went into lesbianism as a high school student because she was molested by her father. you imagine that? That's gross. That's hideous. I believe that's why there's a death penalty, okay? But she testified about her mother getting a word from the Lord and not allowing that to go down. And saying, listen, that's not who you are. That's not who God made you to be. There's a better way for you. And then guess what? God healed her heart. And now she's happily married with her first beautiful child. Amen? Isn't that awesome? But that took her believing what the word of God said. That took her believing she was who God said she was and that she wasn't what the world was going to say she is. And so as we uh, started this service in that time of prayer and transition, I want to end it. In the kingdom of God, there are no more daddy issues. The daddy issues are outside of the kingdom. Don't bring them with you. If you are now in the kingdom and you feel that they're still here with you, renounce them. Renounce them like you would sin. It's not a sin of what you did because of what someone did to you. I'm just saying, renounce it like you would a sin. Speak to it. In the name of Jesus, I command you, spirit of low self-esteem, spirit of rejection, spirit of inadequacy, spirit of feeling not wanted to leave in Jesus' name. You speak it over your life and say over to yourself, God so loved me that He sent His Son for me. The Father gave His heart for me in Jesus. I'll never be le- uh, left alone. I'll never be forsaken. I will have all that I need in Jesus' name. Amen? And then you go out into this world, and you find godly people to be in relationship with, and start letting the new season come. Amen? Keep coming to a godly church like this, where you can learn what it's like to be around godly men and, and a family. And just be around it. I I tell this story, you know, quite often because it always sticks in my heart. I was taking one of my inner city kids with me on a, a preaching trip. When I was in New Orleans, he came to preach with me. And we went to his stay at a family's house. And we went fishing, caught some fish, fried it up, and then ate it. And he said to me, he said, man, I have never had a TV dinner before. And I said to him, man, you're crazy. What are you talking about? This is no TV dinner. He said, no, no, no. What I mean is like the dinners I see on TV with a mom and a dad sitting at a table. I've never been there before. That was a young man from the inner city. He said he had never sat at a table where a mom and dad were married, father and mother eating a meal. See, that's why we go back out into the world and we bring them into our family. That's why we bring in the fatherless. Amen? We care for them. Even right now, if you're a child and you're in a bad situation, but you're coming to this church, you're one step above the person in your neighbor. They don't even know it. Some of you all take it for granted. I was here for the youth night. There was about four or five married couples. We've never had that many volunteering for Elevate. I'm so thankful for these married couples in the church because they're volunteering to come on Fridays to show children what husbands and wives look like. Amen? Brothers and sisters, let the Lord heal your heart and let him bring you into godly families and to bring you into godly leadership. Amen? Can we give it up for Jesus today? healing our hearts. Would you stand up with me, please?